So, you know, when we think about our world, um, stories are a massive part of our world, aren't they? I mean, our world is full of stories. We love stories. Stories speak to us. Uh, they, they help remind us of things. They connect us to different things. We have stories about Captain America and James Bond and Elizabeth Bennett and all kinds of different people. You've probably got in your pocket right now a phone that connects you to billions of stories, whether it's those YouTube videos of people that have traveled to Dubai or some other country and they're trying to tell you all that, or it's TikTok, people telling you their stories of them learning a new dance or something else, uh, or Facebook where you get to hear the stories of people and the struggles that they're walking through and the suffering and the challenges that they're going through. Like, we love stories. And you think about a story, there's always a storyteller, isn't there? And we know there's good storytellers and we know there's bad storytellers. And when you think about what is a, a good storyteller or what even makes a good storyteller, what do you think of when you think of a good storyteller? You might say someone like Steven Spielberg or maybe it's that crazy uncle that you've got that everybody just loves to hear all of the stories about his youth and the things that he did, whatever it is. Like we know that there's a certain component of storytelling that's important. And what makes a good storyteller? Somebody who can communicate well, someone who can make us feel, someone who can connect us to what it is that they're trying to say. Maybe it's entertain us. Maybe it's make us just laugh. Maybe it's help us gain some kind of a knowledge or something of that state or, or, or to be better understanding a topic or an issue within our day and our age. The interesting thing about this is we think about parables, which is a series that we're entering into today for the next several weeks out of the summer, and we think about parables, they're stories. And Jesus spoke in these stories. And oftentimes we tend to take the idea of a storyteller that we think of in this day and age and put those assumptions upon Jesus, meaning that we believe that Jesus was a good storyteller and that he intended to tell stories so he could make things easier for people to grasp, easier for people to understand. I mean, that makes sense to us. And so when Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, tells us a story of a farmer sowing seeds, we assume that the reason Jesus chooses to tell that story is because he's speaking to a group of people in first century Israel who were agricultural type of people, and so we think, well, surely they'll understand this gospel story better because of that. But the question is, is that really the case? Is that really what Jesus is doing when he's telling stories? We're going to continue on after the parable of the sower to hear Jesus talk to his disciples as they ask him that very question. And Brian Dune was going to come and read for us out of Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And I'd ask that you would please stand with me out of respect for God's word as he reads out of the word of God this morning. Brian? Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, 
but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Well, church, hear the word of the Lord. Please be seated and join me in prayer. Fathers, we turn our attention to your word. Uh, we ask that we continually seek to draw near to you and, and ask that you would draw near to us in the midst of this. And Father, just pray that as we look at your word, that you would, uh, just as this text says, that you would open our eyes, that you would open up our ears, that we would hear and that we would see what you would have for us. And we know that that's a work of your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. And so, Lord, we just pray that he would do that, that he would be present with us this morning, that he would open up our eyes to see you ever clearer and why you do the things that you do and why you have given us this, these parables and why you've called us to, to study these and understand these. Lord, I pray ultimately that you would be glorified in everything that is said this morning. And if there's anything that is said that is not of you, may it be forgotten. Lord, just may you use me, a weak vessel, to help share your word with us as your people. Just pray these things in your name. Amen. So, a man one time woke up. It was an early Saturday morning, and he woke up long before he expected to. And he got up early, and he decided, you know what? It's sunrise. I can get out, and I can begin to do all the work that I have that I, that, that's ahead of me today. And so he went out early in his yard and began to do all kinds of yard work. Well, just an hour or so later, his wife woke up, and she recognized that she was late for a women's meeting that she was supposed to be at. And so she rushes and gets ready, and as she's leaving, she runs out on the deck, and she yells out at her husband as she sees him working and says, hey, I'm leaving. And she runs, she runs back to the car and gets in the car and drives away. But she doesn't recognize that her husband's got his earbuds in his ears and he's listening to music and he didn't hear her call out his name and he didn't hear her leave. Church, hear the word of the Lord. You say, well, what are you talking about? Like, that's crazy. What are, you, what are you saying there? Like, have eyes to see. See what I just said. Like, imagine if I taught out of the word like that. It's interesting because that's the kind of thing that Jesus does. And see, oftentimes we see Jesus stands up, and can you imagine him standing up and standing in front of a crowd of people, and he begins to tell a story. And it's a story that at face value, everybody would understand, just like the one that I just said. Everybody understood everything that was going on in that story, but at the same time, since I haven't fully explained anything, it seems a little bit confusing, doesn't it? I imagine that the people of Jesus' day felt a little bit like you did as I was telling that story and as I ended that story, looking at each other going, what does that have to do with the sermon that we're talking about today? What does that have to do with the scriptures? What does that have to do with the law? What does that have to do with the prophets? What does that have to do with my life and in my moment? And yet this is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus did for the people in the first century. 
And before I answer the question, what is Jesus about and what is he trying to get to, we need to set the stage so that we can understand a little bit about what's happening in this text. We need to look more deeply so that we can interpret the things that Jesus is saying so that we can have a clear understanding as we approach the parables in the next several weeks. But Jesus is speaking in some things that seem like they make a ton of sense, and yet people would have been very confused. And so when we look at this, we understand that Jesus is sharing a story. It's a story about a farmer who sows seeds. And then the disciples come, and they ask him a question. Why do you talk in stories like this? Now, here's what we need to glean from this first section of Matthew 13. First, there's two groups of people in this text. There's the them, and then there's the you. Right? To you it has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to them they have not seen. So we've got two groups of people. Now the them, that's the crowds of people. That's the people that have come to Jesus. It includes all kinds of people. It's the masses. It's people that have come that might be Romans. It's people that have come that might be Samaritans. People that might have come that were religious leaders of the day. They're in first century Judaism. We know this because in verse 1 of Matthew 13, Jesus is, is at, a sea, at the sea, and a great crowd has come to him. Now you hear that, and for us, we think that's exactly what every pastor dreams about, right? A great crowd of people to come and hear and to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. And God is speaking through Jesus, and Jesus shares these stories, and they seem to confuse everybody in the crowd even the disciples, which leads us to the you. So we've got two groups. We've got the them, that's the masses, that's the crowd, but we've also got the you, and that's the disciples, but it's more than just the 12. We see this in the sister text in Mark that also talks about this time. Mark chapter 4, verse 10 says, And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And so get this picture. There's a mass of people, and, and, and Jesus is sharing these stories to that mass of people. And then later, there's a group of people around him, including the 12. These are people who are following him in a diff different way. They come and ask him about the parables. And so there's the them, that's the mass. And then there's the you, that's the people that are asking Jesus about the parables. So these are the two groups of people. But we also see in Mark chapter 4, verse 10, something else. It says this. And when he was alone, they were alone. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jesus shares the stories in a group of people like this, and then he goes off without explaining what it is that he just told them. He didn't explain the parable of the farmer, of the, of the sower and the seeds to the masses. He's alone with his followers, with the you, with the disciples, when they ask him about these parables. Remember that story that I, I just told you? Listen, no one would have thought twice about that story had I told you that the man out in, the, in his yard doing the yard work, that represents us. And the earbuds represent all of the distractions that are in our lives. And, and the wife, her voice is the voice of God calling us and telling us things. But we don't hear it because we miss it. Like, none of you would think twice if I told that story and then explained what each of those components meant. You'd be like, oh, that's so helpful for me to understand the distractions of my life and how easy it is that I can just miss the voice of God. But that's not how Jesus goes about the telling of these stories. Jesus doesn't go on to tell all of the specific things that these stories meant. 
He gets alone with his disciples. It's a strange thing when you think about it. And when he's alone, not with the crowds, he begins to explain. He explains to them. I want us to look at Luke chapter 8. And when his disciples asked what this parable meant. Now, why do I use this first? What does it assume when his disciples are asking what something means? It means that they don't understand either. See, it wasn't like the disciples were in the crowd just like you guys are. And they heard the stories that Jesus was communicating. And because they're smarter than everybody else, or more righteous than everybody else, or because the Spirit did some miraculous work in their heart, they suddenly just understood all of the stories that Jesus was teaching. That's not what happened. They were just as confused as the people in the crowd, which is why they came to Jesus and said, What do these mean? They didn't understand either. So setting the stage, we've got two groups of people. We've got the masses, and then we've got the followers of Jesus, more than just the 12, the people that are following him, asking this question, that he gets alone with his disciples before he explains, and that they didn't understand even when they come to Jesus. And so when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given, at that point, in that moment, they still didn't understand There's a distinction being made. And it isn't that these disciples are smarter than the people in the crowd. But then there's the next thing that we need to see, and it's in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. He says this, Hear then the parable of the sower, which is this, Jesus never turns away those who come to him and ask. Jesus explains Jesus explains clearly to his disciples what it is that they want to understand. He gives them the secrets of the kingdom of God. He wants to give them to them. He wants to equip them. He wants to enlighten them. He wants them to come from darkness into light. He tells them about the parable. So again, let's set the stage. Jesus is speaking to a group of people just like this, and he's using culturally clear stories, meaning stories that everybody could understand, but those stories are not naturally or easily connected to the kingdom of God. Connections which are, in fact, they're not even accessible in the crowds. In fact, in the crowds, the people are confused. They don't understand. And you assume that some of those people left talking about it, like, what do you think Jesus meant about the farmer and the sower? Like, I I don't know. I think maybe the farmer means this, and I think maybe the sower means this. And and it kind of reminds me of a story in the Old Testament, and some probably just went away going like, well, I don't want to follow Jesus because he's confusing, and he doesn't tell us what these stories mean, and so I'm just going to go to another rabbi. But Jesus never turns away, and he begins to tell his disciples. And when they ask him, Why do you do this? Jesus tells them in Matthew chapter 13, he he quotes out of Isaiah, but I like the concise way that Luke puts it in terms of his specific reasoning. And it's Luke chapter 8, verse 10. To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others, that's the them, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. What do we do with that? See, because what it appears like Jesus is saying in this text is the reason I use stories and I don't explain them is so that this actually veils the gospel to them. 
Like, what do we do with that? Like, aren't we supposed to make the gospel plain? Aren't we supposed to make things easy and clear? Like, isn't that exactly what we talked about a few weeks ago in, in, at the end of Colossians where it talks about making the gospel clear? Isn't that what Paul was trying to do? Aren't we supposed to make the gospel easy and acceptable, accessible, palatable? I mean, I grew up for the longest time believing that the parables were there to help make things easier for people to understand the gospel. And Jesus says right here the exact opposite. That's not what he's doing. Jesus is saying that when I have the biggest crowds, I'm going to speak truth in such a way that it's veiled. Just to drive home the point a little bit further, let's read again in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 through 15. Indeed, in their case... The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. So remember the them, that's all of the rest of the crowd. That's not the people that are here with me now, but all the rest of them. Isaiah is fulfilled. It says, you will indeed hear, but you won't understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest or otherwise they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Now this is a, this is a hard text. Otherwise, they would hear and turn. Do you, do you hear what Jesus is saying? I speak in parables that aren't easy to understand because if I spoke in any other way, they would understand. Like that's a paraphrase of that text. That, that's, that's hard. But that's exactly what Jesus says. They would hear the truth, but they wouldn't hear the truth. They would see the truth, but they wouldn't see the truth. It's a little bit like this image on the screen. I don't know if you guys recognize these images. Well, I think it'll pop up here in just a second. Maybe it won't. It's not going to do very good there. Well, anyway. Oh, there we go. You guys recognize these? Some of you are like, I have no idea what this is. So there was a day in which these were everywhere. These are those 3D images. You see a, just a random set of, of craziness there. So you see the picture, but how many of you see the kitty in the box? Anybody yet? Like, he's there. There's a kitty in a box in that. But see, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. You, you see, but you don't see. And Jesus is presenting the gospel in such a way where he says, look, you can see it, but you can't see it. The hardest part of this whole text is the less. Like, what do we do with that? Like, it's as if God doesn't want some people to hear so that they won't be healed. But that surely can't mean the case because that would mean that God is a liar when he says that he, is wished not, he, he does not will that any should perish. Now, here's the thing. Don't worry. I'm going to answer. There's a reason that Jesus speaks this way. So just hang in there. So let's ask the question, why the secrets? Why does Jesus speak in parables? Why is it, does he seem like he's trying to veil aspects of the gospel? Why does he seem like he's making it hard for the masses? Why the secrets? We understand, need to understand that one of our greatest tendencies as people is to believe that salvation can be found in our own efforts. 
that it is something that we can attain, something that we can discover. We often think the gospel is something that we can understand. It's an idea. It's a concept. And once we've found the idea, once we've found the concept, once we've begun to believe in the concept and the idea, then we can have salvation. The people of Jesus' days, they were no different than we are today. They wanted the black and the white. Tell us what to do. Tell us how to interpret the law so we can just check off the box so that God won't be angry with us. This is the whole framework that the majority of people were coming to Jesus for. And oftentimes we can come with the same way. We come, we come to listen and want him to tell us the scriptures and what it means and what we're supposed to do so that we can just leave, do it, and be good. Jesus speaks to this very thing in John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus does not want people to be able to come to him, get the answers, and then leave. And here's one of the main things that we need to understand. It's because of this. The gospel isn't about information. The gospel is about a man. The gospel is a man. It is Jesus. Every single parable that Jesus gives us in the scriptures is not intended to be knowledge gained and then acted upon, but a calling to complete dependence upon him. Not only for understanding, but also for the ability to carry that out in our lives. Jesus was making it difficult to come and to just hear and to just get an answer and then walk away. He was trying to drive them towards dependence upon him. Some got it. See, that was the only thing that made the disciples different than the rest of the crowd. They kept pursuing. And were they pursuing information or were they pursuing Jesus? They were pursuing Jesus. They went to Jesus for the answers. They wanted to know from Jesus what it was. And ultimately, it's because Jesus doesn't want people who just know a lot. Jesus wants followers. Jesus wants followers. He doesn't want scholars. He doesn't want just men and women who, who just know all the answers. He wants men and women who will keep coming back to him. He wants one men and women that when they're faced with failure when they're walking the hard road of faith, when they don't understand what's next, what's going on in their life, when they don't know what they're supposed to do, when they're struggling to be faithful, when they're looking for purpose, when they're looking for salvation, he wants people who will come to him and simply say, where else can I go? So many from the crowds, they left confused, not because Jesus wasn't willing to give them the answers, they left confused because Jesus didn't want Jesus, or because the people didn't want Jesus. They left confused because they didn't continue to pursue him and plead with him and ask him. They listened, and then they left. They listened and they left. But the disciples and the others around him, they listened, but they kept coming back to Jesus every single day. And that's what separates. It's the ability to hear versus actually hear. They kept coming back. Jesus asked a question in John chapter seven, or John chapter six to his disciples. He says, Many of his disciples turned back 
and no longer walk with him. And so here's what happens in John chapter 6. He says something hard, and a lot of the people in the crowds leave. And then Jesus says to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And right after that, Simon Peter answers Jesus. And it's not on the screen, but he says this, Lord, where else shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. It wasn't that Peter understood everything. It was instead of leaving and thinking that he found the answers or leaving frustrated that he hadn't been given the answers, he continues to go to Jesus saying, where else can I go? Where else can I go? This is really hard for us to comprehend because we want to be able to come and hear things be made easy and simple. But brothers and sisters, the Christian life isn't easy and simple. For us to be the people of God, to hear His voice and to hear His word as we read through the parables, and not just the parables, but any part of Scripture, we have to constantly be dependent upon Jesus to help us see and to understand and apply and to live in the way he has called us to live, to find life. This is not a one-and-done kind of a decision where we make a statement about some facts that we believe about Jesus and then go on about our lives. Every single day is a day of dependence upon Jesus. And constantly, when asking ourselves, like, should I leave or not leave, our answer should be, where else do I go? Where, who else has hope? Who else has the answers? And so what we see in this is that the important thing is about proximity and presence. See, Jesus shares the gospel in the parables, and he doesn't explain it in the crowds, not because he's trying to hide the gospel, because he, but because he wants people to come to him and to be near him. And so for us, as we engage the parables over the next several months, They aren't just fun little stories for us to dig into and understand and apply. They are opportunities for us, the people of God, to be driven towards Jesus. Towards Jesus. Towards being a follower of Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be just people who come and hear something and then leave with a little bit more knowledge. We're to be every single day seeking to walk with him, seeking to be with him. It's about proximity and it's about presence. How do you view your life and the things you learn or you glean from the scriptures when you come to a sermon time like this? Do you walk away with the goal to take those things and as we talked about last week, to draw near to Jesus and be in his proximity and be in his presence as he uses those things through his spirit, molding you and shaping you and convicting you and challenging you and helping you to walk in faithfulness and helping you to walk in obedience? Or do you hear those things and say, I've got it, and just move on? Or even worse, you hear those things and say, I don't understand what Darren was talking about. He doesn't speak clear enough. He's not clear enough. He doesn't speak in fun enough stories. He doesn't make it entertaining enough for me, so it's not enough for me. I'll go somewhere else where I can have a good time. That is not what this is about, brothers and sisters. This is about life. And Jesus says you don't get life by having fun all the time. 
You get life by drawing near to Jesus and letting Jesus take your life and have it as his own, becoming your master, becoming your Lord, and leading you. He wants to do that. He wants to give us the secrets of the kingdom of God. He wants to help us see all of the things that he has for us. He wants my son, who just got baptized, to walk in a newness of life and to see that and to live it and to experience it and to understand it. But he doesn't want it to just be something that Ethan, my son, walks by himself. He wants to walk it with him in proximity and in presence so he can constantly reveal. I'm so glad that God doesn't just show me everything the minute I become a believer in Jesus Christ. Like it's a constant growth. It's a constant understanding, a constant walk with him, trying to grow more and more and more and more. Proximity and presence. So why the secrets? It's because the gospel is not about information. It's about Jesus. Because Jesus is looking for followers, not scholars, not smart people, not religious people. And Jesus cares about proximity and presence. And I pray that as we enter into the parables, which are glorious and have so much in them, that you would drive and see that each time, every time we come to them, it's about Jesus, it's about being followers, and it's about walking close to him. And every week we walk away thinking about that. I'm going to close with this. I would contend that many Christians have believed that the gospel is just about information to be understood. Ideas to be grasped and believed. That many people, even though they wouldn't say it, even though they wouldn't believe it or even understand it themselves, they're like the crowds. They come to Jesus. They want to hear some good things. They want to hear Jesus make things clear. They want to hear Jesus make things, make their lives better. And then when it's not easy, or when they don't understand something, they just leave. Or even worse than that, in their own pride, we think, I've got this on my own. And we become self-righteous religious people. I think there are so many people who come to church as if it's a place, which it's not, it's a people, they come to this space to hear the word of God, just to hear some things that they can apply to their life so their life can get a little bit better. That, brothers and sisters, is not the gospel. The gospel is about opening the door for us to be able to draw near to the living God, the one who made us and formed us, the one who spoke the stars into existence. That's what the gospel is about. And the question for us today is this. If you are one who seeks to follow Jesus, are you really seeking to follow Jesus? Is he the point? Is he the end goal? Or do you just want information? You just want more boxes to check so you can feel good and deal with your shame and deal with your guilt are you like the disciples who never left his side, who realized that eternal life is in Jesus, that Jesus is eternal life, 
That it's never going to come from our own understanding. It's never going to come from our own obedience. It's never going to come from anything that's within us. It's only going to come from a complete dependence on him. Who are you? Are you the them or the you? Are you the crowd or are you the disciple? If you're the disciple, praise God. What I love about Jesus is he always gives us what we need. Now, he doesn't do it always at the time we think he should. And he definitely doesn't always do it in the way we think he should. But he will always be faithful to answer us and to be present with us because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, I want to make an invitation for you today. And it's not to understand more but it's an invitation to know him. Understanding only comes from him. Obedience only comes from him. Truth only comes from him. Life only comes from him. The way only comes from him. And he wants you to be with him. And his promise is that he will hear, his promise is that he will hear you and he will not turn you away. John chapter 6. All that the Father, Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He'll never cast you out. That's what's amazing about those crowds. They heard the stories of Jesus, and nobody understood what Jesus was saying. Not even the disciples. Like we, we've grown up with the parable of the sower and the farmer, so we feel like, man, like that's just obvious, but it wouldn't have been to them. None of them got it. And when the disciples came to him, Jesus didn't look at him and say, well, you should have been smart enough. He says, here's the parable of the sower. And he tells them, he never casts out. And the invitation to you, if you don't know Christ, is to simply come to Jesus. You're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to have all all the the thoughts. You're certainly not going to have the obedience. He still says, come to me. And he says, I will never turn you out. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that we were going to start a discovery Bible study right after the services. And and we're going to do that today. And so right after the service, right through these doors in our garden prayer room. So there's two rooms over here. There's the garden prayer room and the hospitality suite. I'm going to meet anybody who wants to go through a discovery Bible study. And here's all that means. If you're one of those people in this room who goes, I don't get it. I don't know it. I have a lot of doubts. I'm angry. I, I, I think this is all a bunch of just baloney. Like this is a great time for you. We would love to just walk with you and just open up the scripture and help you see it. I'm not, we're, not gonna, we're not trying to necessarily convert you. That's not the goal. We want you to have a space to say, I don't get it, so that we can help you see Jesus. And so we've gotta, we're going to start that. It's a Discovery Bible study right after. And that's for anybody who, you may be an atheist and say, I'm never going to believe this stuff. Man, let's have a conversation. It will be a fun conversation as we open up the Word of God together. We'd love to invite you to do that. I want to just remind us as we close, Jesus will never cast out any who come to him. And as we open up the word of God, and as we look to the parables in the next several weeks, the goal is to see him as the gospel. The goal is to be near him, to be proximity and presence, of his presence. I want to encourage you here in just a moment. Steve is going to lead us in a song. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes?
I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing this song as a response. And I would encourage you that as we sing this song, that if you want to talk with somebody or you want prayer, we want to be available to do that. So we'll have our prayer counselors and elders and pastors up at the front. But I just want to take a moment. And I've said a lot of words today. And maybe they weren't as eloquent as they could be. That doesn't really make any difference. In the end, the question is this. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, who are you in Matthew 13? Are you the crowd? You're here. I mean, you're here. You want to hear Jesus. Like, you're listening to the teaching. You may be afraid of hell. I mean, like, you're in this space. But for you, it's about gaining information, or it's about learning some more knowledge, or it's about maybe grasping some things that you can take and apply in your own life to make yourself more righteous so you don't feel as guilty before the Lord. Like, are you, are you the crowd? You hear things that are difficult and you just walk away because it makes you uncomfortable. You hear things you disagree with and so you walk away thinking, I don't want to hear that because it pushes against what I think. Like, who are you? If you're the crowd and you walk away from Jesus, you're walking away from the gospel. It doesn't matter what you know. And it doesn't matter how good you are. So are you the crowd? Or are you one of the disciples who seeks Jesus? Who seeks the way? Not being a thing that you do, but being a person you follow. Who seeks the truth? Not being something that you learn in your head, but a person that you follow. A person who seeks life, not being something that you could hold in yourself, make happen in yourself, but a person in which you follow. If you are a disciple, then we always have the hope that he will say, let me tell you what's going on. Let me lead you. Let me, let me be with you. If you're not, if you're a crowd, today is an opportunity for you to decide to become a follower because you can always turn around and come to Christ. Father, I thank you for this morning. And I, I thank you that you taught the people of your day, Jesus, not with simple clarity that was just easy, but you taught in such a way that drove them to you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see that that's done out of love, that we would never become dependent upon our own wisdom, that we would never become dependent upon our own ability to carry those things out or to walk in those things or to grasp those things or to become righteous in ourselves, that you did, you did that out of love that we would be forced to come to you because only in you is there salvation. And I pray, Father, that there's anybody in this room this morning that is not truly a disciple. Father, that you would open their eyes to see, that you would open their ears to hear,
today. And I pray, Father, for those of us who are your disciples, Father, we would daily walk, moment by moment by moment, seeking you as the gospel, seeking to be close to you, seeking to be present with you. I pray, Father, that would be what drives us in our lives.